Welcome back to Abundant Culture Podcast, where we dissect the mindsets and tactics of the true beast of business. People like Gary Vee, Grant Cardone, and Warren Buffett, all to create a blueprint to experience life more abundantly. Hey guys, welcome back to your favorite podcast ever. So this week we're sitting with our good friend Carl Lee and he started and managed multiple businesses. Mm -hmm. So he really knows what he's talking about. (laughs) And we kind of just- I hope, (laughs) You do, you do. (laughs) And we kind of, we just wanted him to give you guys insight into being better leaders, better managers, um, whatever the case may be. So Carl, Yes. To start, Mm -hmm. tell us your story. How did you get into business? Uh, Business probably, I mean, I grew up in an all-you-can-eat restaurant. That's what my parents um, came to this country and that's what they started. Um, So our family has owned three restaurants at this point. Um, But we, I went from being in a small business to being in a large business. I worked at, you know, Best Buy Retail. I worked at Apple Retail. Uh, I'm here as a real estate brokerage and it's just starting now, but I've literally covered everything and like to advise on everything that I can. So, Awesome. So uh, kind of go into detail about your experience or journey uh, kind of with the restaurants because that's kind of where you started off, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, in restaurants, everything's fast, right? You're, you're, you're in it as a team and playing together as a team. Um, so I had the opportunity to kind of see how we function as, as a restaurant, as a team. And, you know, you take orders, you learn to play as a team. Um, that's kind of really how a restaurant works. Um, in terms of leadership, it's um, everything when it, when it inside of a restaurant is based on what's, what the orders are in front of you. You just try to get through as many orders as you can, quickly as you can at the highest quality you can. Uh, and that requires a lot of communication and a lot of a lot of trust in what the other person is doing. Yeah, for so. sure. So what made your parents want to get into the restaurant industry? Was it that they were just passionate about it or what was um, it? And so if most, most, it's very, very stereotypical for Asian families to get into the restaurant business, to have a, a Chinese food place or whatever it is. Um, so they, my mo- mother uh, owned a tea house uh, in Taiwan. Uh, then when she got here, she felt it natural to serve. Um, so she went right into the restaurant business. Some fortune kind of went our way and we were able to then take over the restaurant that she was in. And then from there we grew and managed other biz- uh, other restaurants along, along that path. Awesome. So when it comes to uh, business, was mm-hmm. it something that was like pretty much trained in you since you were like super young or was it kind of like a journey for you? You know, to be honest, it, it wasn't. It wasn't something that I felt, I didn't feel like a, a, a leader uh, per se, but I felt uh, the the need to change the way that we were doing things. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, as I, as I matured and got into my own way and found um, in, in really in college, I've, a lot was put in place to, to manage a couple of other things. Uh, and that became, wait a minute, if I can manage then I can, I can figure out how to lead. For sure. uh, and, and that kind of developed in me. For so sure. what were all like the manager uh, positions you had? Like what were sure. all those places? Um, well, I, uh, 
uh, in college, we everything is. I studied architecture, so everything's project based, right? So, uh, a lot of those a lot of those projects were asked to, to be a leader in uh, and say, "What is this person doing? How are we delegating these certain tasks to get the job, the project completed on time?" Uh, and then I worked at the same time. I worked at a, a nonprofit organization uh, called the Chicago Architecture Foundation, uh, and we um, really kind of looked at how. Uh, education was being taught at the, the high school level for Chicago public schools. At the time, everything was based on drafting. Um, could a person that wanted to be an architect um, in high school draft uh, a floor plan? That's what it was built on. And we said, wait a minute, that's not what architecture is moving to. Uh, they're looking at the site. They're looking at all the the environment conditions, they're doing uh, site analysis, all these different things. Um, so how can we change the curriculum differently? Um, so at the time I was managing uh, the, the, what the Architecture Foundation hosts every year, it was called the, the New House Competition. Uh, and it's, they take entries from all across the, United, um, all across the Chicago public schools. Uh, students enter their entries and it's to render something or uh, draft something, but we introduced this idea of creating their own project, building their own uh, house, uh, and you know, paying respects to Chicago limits that you know are in place. Yeah. Two and a half foot setbacks, all these things. They had to work inside of those conditions and how to build a better house, For sure. um, which ends up being all the smart houses that we have now. So. Yeah. So kind of to expand on that a little bit, what do you think, what would you say is your managerial style or your leadership style? Because a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, they get into business Mm -hmm. and, you know, they just want to make money, but they don't realize that uh, you have to lead before you can ever turn a profit. So what is your style when it comes to management and leadership? I have a, a strong belief that if you invest in the people, and trust the people uh, in, in their particular field, uh, whatever that it is that they're good at. They, if you trust them and allow them to do whatever they're good at, then you'll turn a better profit. Um, and ulti- well, turn a better product and ultimately a better profit. Um, and, and what that really kind of says is if you're running a big business, um, say for example, you know, Apple retail or Best Buy retail, uh, when you're, you're, you're I don't want to get into the verbiage that every one of those industries uses, but if your operations team is very, very specific about how they can uh, deliver a product, you have to trust that they know how that should be delivered. Um, if, if it's organizational, uh, a manager, uh, a, a store leader, or a manager that kind of worries about the HR of a team shouldn't be the one that goes in there and says, hey, you should organize the shelves like this. Yeah. doesn't make any sense. Trust the team of what they know that they're doing and then everything else will kind of work out itself. Yeah. And it's really cool that you mentioned that because the other day we were actually talking and you right. said if a business is not succeeding, if there's some type of struggle within side of mm-hmm. the corporation, a lot right. of times it's because of trust or communication. Yeah. It's really that simple. Yeah. Um, for me, it's, it's really that simple. If, if there's a failure in any type of relationship, um, whether it's uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, manager, boss, um, employee, other employee, it's really based on does do I trust the other employee to do what has been asked of them? Yeah. Um, 
just the same as when you're at the Apple store and you hand a phone over to a technician, you expect that technician to be able to kind of explain to the customer why something is not working. Um, and if I don't trust that, that technician, I, I can't faithfully hand that over. It's, it's just that simple. Yeah. Um, so we trust the training, trust the communication, and we kind of hopefully we'll go from there. Yeah. So how do you um, implement like that style in your restaurant, and then how do you implement that into your brokerage? Yeah, I, it, it's really we find out what people are good at, what they want to do. Um, if somebody comes to me and says, "Hey, I want to, I want to, I want to learn how to make appetizers. I want to know what that looks like." Absolutely. We'll put you there and we, we go through the paces. If, if that's not what you want to do, then we change. We adjust. Um, it, it's, it's better to find a place, have a deeper relationship with that employee before sticking them somewhere and saying, you have to learn how to do this. You have to learn how to do that. It's not a good environment. Yeah. Um, if a person says, I don't want to, I don't want to take tables, then it makes no sense for me to put you on the floor you're never going to bring a, a smiling face to the customers that come in the door. Right. Uh, as, as a leader, what, what I find more and more to be true is that we have to work for our employees. Um, even though, yes, maybe my name is on the board, the building, whatever it may be. Um, I work for the employee. If they tell me that they want to do something or if they have a problem at home, I have to solve that problem. That's my problem. That's my task. So that they can be comfortable enough to solve whatever service, provide whatever service, provide whatever product that we have to an external customer. Yeah. And that's really amazing too, because like, you know, uh, in, in this day and age, a lot of people are trying to get into business mm -hmm. and trying to become entrepreneurs mm -hmm. because, you know, they don't want to work for a boss. And it's kind of funny hearing you say that, oh, you still work for somebody, but it's just a different type of work. And yeah. I like the way that you think about that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because I get to choose who I work for. Yeah. Right. Like that's the that's the key component of, of the luxury of being a leader. Yeah. Right. The luxury of being a businessman, a luxury of being an entrepreneur. You should pick who you work with. Yeah. If you don't like the person that you're working with, you have the ability to fire them. Yes, yeah. there are consequences. There are relationship breaks that happen. But that's that's something that you're allowed to do. Uh, when you go to work at, uh, at Apple Retail, you don't really get to choose who they hire. You don't choose who's ahead of you. You don't choose who's behind you. Um, you don't have those choices. But the more, um, the more you go higher up in rank, the, the more deeper relationship you have to have with the people that are working for you. For sure. Yeah, so what, uh, going back to what you said about trust before, mm -hmm. what are some times in you know, your different organizations that you were in uh, that you had to learn to trust? Was it something that came natural to you or is it something that you had to learn over time and what yeah. made you actually learn that? Yeah, I mean, there's there's the old adage of, of don't trust anybody um, because they're going to take advantage of you. Um, and and that's just always rubbed wrong with me. Um, I, I think innately human beings, I mean, that's more f uh, philosophical, but I think human beings are good by nature. They're not violent. They're not, I mean... We have, since the atomic, the nuclear weapon, right? We were able to blow up the entire world, but we haven't. Uh, that kind of goes to show that maybe human beings are actually not that bad. Um, and because I prefer to trust until something goes wrong and then I adjust, uh, I think that allows more things to, I feel like they, the, the person 
has the ability to kind of go from there yeah. uh, and kind of show you what they're good at. For sure. Uh, and then it's up to you to be able to use that tool appropriately. Definitely. And then um, you also mentioned like going deeper into the relationship mm -hmm. with your employees. Mm -hmm. And we actually talked about that the yeah. other day. Um, you were giving us like advice on how to talk to our employees once mm -hmm. we get the salon. Right. So um, could you talk about that a little bit about sure. how that conversation will yeah. look and things to ask? Absolutely. I mean, when you're taking over a business, especially if you're taking over a business, uh, my, my, the thing that I would love to do is sit down with every single employee and simply ask, why are you here? What, what's, what's brought you here? What makes you get up and come to this workplace every single day? Yeah. If you can create a, a deeper relationship with the employees and they can tell you why they're here, um, you can get them to a place where they'll work for you forever because they, they it's, it's just a deeper connection. Yeah. When, when you know why you know, somebody else is doing something, um, you can help them along that process. And when you become a, a cheerleader or a support system or a, a team member of their own project, of whatever it is, if it's something personal, if it's uh, getting their kid a, 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 an additional Christmas present or whatever, um, that becomes something that they will take invaluably and, and will, will always remember. Um, and just makes for a happier employee. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a lot of the times, big companies don't listen to their employees. They ask for feedback, but they don't act on the feedback. Um, and that's when I see a lot of uh, people leave their businesses and say, the leadership team didn't hear, hear what I wanted to say. Yeah. To be honest, most times I left places because I wasn't being heard. Yeah. That's just the way that it goes. Yeah, and it's, it's really crazy, too, because if you think about it, like, there's been times where you told me like maybe somebody's motivation is to just get that extra Christmas present. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you can't find any time, you know, any money or any way to help this person just get the extra Christmas present. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a small business owner, that's a fairly easy task to do. And some, you know, big corporations, right. they just don't necessarily put in the time in order to do that. And right. just find like, it's, it's, it, it's mind blowing that certain things like that should happen. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys, uh, this is actually like news that happened yesterday. I don't know if you guys watched HQ, the, the trivia show that's oh, on I the phone. Well, the, the CEO at the time, Scott Rogowski, um, Lat is not leaving the company. He was the only one that was doing the trivia. He was the only one presenting the trivia, but he decided to leave because he wanted to do another side project and they wouldn't let him do it. So he said, great, on the face of this, I'm gonna walk away. Yeah. And it was just like, what do you, how are you gonna let that happen? He's literally the face of it. Right. And then he, he's now up and gone. Uh, he's probably, and to, I, I do the trivia every now and again, and he's my favorite host. Um, he has a lot of passion for his lot of flair. He's got a lot of, you know, he's got the gift of gab. For um, sure. So that works in his favor. But I can't imagine HQ without him. Yeah. I just simply can't. Um, and so that's a loss of equity. Um, yeah. A lot of fans are going to be like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Just like Steve Harvey leaving the Steve Harvey show. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't. You know? Yeah, for sure. And I could see that doing a lot of damage to, oh, yeah, to absolutely. businesses as well. Yeah. I mean, brand equity is all you really have, right? Like okay. if some brands operate autonomously, right? Without without the CEO, they, they function on their own. 
a lot of folks don't know who uh, the the CEO of Adidas is, but you feel like you know what the brand looks like, okay. right? But Apple, for example, was entirely built on Steve Jobs. Right. When he left, it was like, well, wait a minute, what's going on? And thankfully, Tim Cook is kind of building his own way. Yeah. You're, you're feeling a little bit more because uh, attached to it because that's kind of what it's been built on. For sure. But could you imagine... You know, if if Steve Jobs just left Apple in the middle of Apple's height, yeah. oh man, <laughs> that that would be insane. Yeah, it would have. Um, yeah, yeah. And someone, well, actually, Ben from our last podcast, mm-hmm. he was talking to us about that um, to kind of separate, have a separate like personal brand, and mm-hmm. then also to like have a business brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that would help like tremendously. You know, if you do want to part ways, right? Then it's it's not great equity. Right, like uh, if we look at if we look at Elon Musk for example, mm-hmm. Elon Musk after uh, essentially PayPal, right, uh, had nothing. Um, even though he wanted to get into space, he wanted his mission was to go to Mars. He wanted to be he wanted the human race to be a planet farming uh, a generational thing. Mm-hmm. He wanted ultimately that to be the goal. Yeah. But a lot of people looked at him and said, "Who's this bank guy?" coming to us saying that he wants to build a rocket. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But then when he doubled down on Elon Musk, anytime Elon Musk does anything, yeah, it's it becomes, yeah, that absolutely yeah. we do that. Take my All money. Right. <laughs> Whatever you want. All right. <laughs> rocket, sure. <laughs> You know, like <laughs> roofing, absolutely. <laughs> like whatever it is, just doesn't make any sense, but it works. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So leading up to that, uh, what are some common misconceptions that people have about being uh, a manager of a business or even just a general leader of yeah. a business? Um, I, th- I think a lot of a uh, lot of folks think you work on your own hours, right? But to be honest, you're in the firefight. Like as soon as you wake up, sometimes even before you wake up, somebody may send you a text message and guess what? That's your, your That's problem, problem to solve. Yeah. Uh, and you've got to do that all the time. And so a lot of people want the entrepreneur life, but they don't realize that it's actually a firefighting life. Mm-hmm. You call, you answer the call every time it rings. Um, that's, I think that's a big misconception for a lot of people that are wanting to be entrepreneurs. Um, another one is the idea that I work for nobody. I think we, we talked on that brief, brief, briefly before. It's, it's this idea of, oh, I, I, I just sit on a beach all day. I don't work for anybody. Whenever you hire somebody, you absolutely have to understand everything or they're going to they're gonna, you know, up and walk. Yeah. Uh, and then you'll have nothing. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so the next question is, um, who is your ideal employee and why? Oh, that's a good question. Um, ideal employee really comes down to, I mean, there's there are really so many ways to go about it. But I, I like somebody that knows what they want out of life. Um, is self-aware enough. Has But also, the if you don't know that, if you don't have the advantage of that, the willingness to explore. I think self-awareness means so much more. If you're willing to, to, to go, I don't know if I like that, but I'll try it. Mm-hmm. I think that is entirely different. Uh, I would trust, for example, in the restaurant business, I'd trust somebody else's food palate that's tried a lot of different things mm-hmm. yeah. than somebody that only eats a sp- specific thing to judge a certain food a certain way. For sure. I just, I don't think that's, that's uh, I, w- I would prefer that type of employee instead. 
Yeah. Uh, okay. One that's that's willing to try. So, um, since you said that, it made me think of like high schoolers because mm -hmm. high schoolers can't work. So, like, would you be opposed to hiring like high schoolers, or do you want like your employees to be a little bit more stable in life, or what do you think? Um, I think it's a little bit. I think it's more open. High school, uh, unfortunately, has degraded, and I was on a, another podcast about this, but has degraded enough where it's trying to get you into a job. Mm -hmm. Um, but high schoolers are in that time of they're trying to figure out who they are. Yeah. Uh, literally, that's that's what you know coming of age stories are all about. Yeah. Um, so I would I would would love to take a chance on high schoolers. I think there's a, a big delta. I think kids that are brand new in college are at great because they're they're the ones that are told to hey figure out your next life mm -hmm. uh, when in fact they're you know a quarter of the way done. Uh, on average life expectancy. So I, I think it's it's better to, to get somebody that's more malleable um, that you can say, hey, try this. Maybe they're not good at it, fine, but find something else for them. Yeah. And I think it's great that you're, you're kind of open to that too because I've seen a lot of people kind of just throw away talent just mm -hmm. because it was young and it hasn't been conformed yet. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just crazy, like to see the difference between who I am now and who I was three years ago. It's like night and day, right. but it was only in the span of three years. And right. I'm pretty sure I could have added tons of value to like companies that you right. know, didn't necessarily right. hire me. Yeah, so, but I, I think that's important. absolutely true. I think uh, a lot of times we miss what's what's directly in front of us. Yeah. Um, but if when we start to ask the employees what they want. Um, sure, some demands are going to be outrageous, right? Uh, that comes with the territory. But you can, if you can find the heart of why they're asking for what they're asking, uh, then you might actually find something that works for yeah, the both of sure. us. Um, Definitely. So I think that's always going to be the case. Yeah, for sure. So uh, our next question is really, what do you think are some key principles that you've learned along the way that have really helped you become this leader in, you know, multiple companies? Yeah. Um, I think one of the main things is, is you have to kind of trust the process. Um, you have to, you know, when you're, when you're hiring somebody, you go through that process of, of hiring and you sure you have a, a regimented system, but at the same time you make mistakes. You're a yeah. human being. Yeah. Um, so you, you have to kind of own up the, the, to those mistakes. Um, I always had the mentality that everything is my fault. Um, and being a, being a CEO, owner, whatever, founder, whatever you want to call it, um, it is all your fault. You hired the person at the end of the day. Even if somebody did something wrong. Um, here, if they installed a, a, a mount of the TV a little too far to the left. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's your fault uh, if you didn't accurately describe where you wanted it. Yeah. If you just said, "Oh yeah, put the TV up," right? Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's at every one of those details. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of people, when they get into business, they don't necessarily understand what you just said because basically what he's saying is that when when you get into business, like everything is really on your shoulders mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form. Right. And I tell people, if you are willing to take the blame, 
of a lot of those things, maybe this just isn't necessarily it's, for it's you. Tough. Yeah. yeah it's tough to be the last line of defense, yeah. so to speak, but also the one that answers all of the questions. Yeah. When and you yes, I'm in most of my companies. I'm not the smartest person in the room. I don't want to be. Um, I if if um, if I was the person that would that knew how to better do something, maybe I need to hire to replace that role. Mm-hmm. That, Definitely. That's, that's what it should should always be. Yeah. yeah. And that takes a lot of humility to know that you're not the smartest person. That's why self-awareness matters yeah. so much. Yeah. And um, Gary Vee, as well as David Meltzer, also mm-hmm. preach about, you know, being self-aware a lot. And that's why I like a lot of the things that they talk about. But yeah, it's just, just I feel like alt- entrepreneurship is one of those things that is like the suckiest, most fulfilling <laughs> thing that you could ever yeah. do in life. I mean, it's, I just, I never see the downside because you're always doing what you want. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's the trump card, right? Like if, yeah, if you sure. don't want to do it, you can pack everything up and sell it. You yeah. can get rid of it. You can close it all down. If it's not making, you know, if it's not fulfilling you, why do it yeah. on a daily basis? Yeah, for sure. It doesn't make any sense. Definitely. So, yeah. So a funny question. Sure. Is. What is the most embarrassing thing that's happened to you uh, in business? <laughs> in business is tough because I, I'm, I'm never really, embarrassment is, is always something that's, um, I, I, I don't get bashful. I like I see mistakes, I make mistakes, and I'm, but I'm always very, very honest with them. Like, yeah, yeah that's my fault. Yeah. Um, so I don't really necessarily, I've, I guess the, the moment where I felt it's actually outside of business, but I was in a Spartan race and I was, um, quote unquote leading a team and on the second obstacle I broke my foot um, oh, wow. and so everybody's looking at me like you're supposed to lead us um, and I'm like well guess what <laughs> you guys are going to have to finish this without me <laughs> yeah. right. um, but so I mean that's the only time where I'll get bashful or embarrassed about something yeah. but like I just I just it know I just know it comes with the territory and yeah, sure. it's just like well alright if you don't know what it is then great we'll figure it out you yeah. know nice so you are on the abundant culture podcast absolutely and we're abundant culture right so my question to you is how do you spread abundance uh, i try to te- uh, teach perspective uh, i think everybody um whenever whenever there's a case that oh i can't do it if, if an artist came to me and says hey i can't break it in music uh, all of these other people are, are doing really, really well and I'm not. Uh, it's not because, it's not like a, a person, a listener to music like me is choosing this person or this person, right? All, it's, it's that perspective of if your music is good enough, you'll break through. You just have to figure out what you're good at. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's how I'm trying to teach it every day to everybody. Uh, is that just because I work in the restaurant industry, um, and, and somebody always opens up a, a similar restaurant near mine, they're not taking customers from me. Yeah. It's the, the idea that they are opening up their palate. That's, that's great for all of us. It's for the sure. spreading of this type of food. I love that. Why yeah. not bring it on? Um, and at the end of the day, if, if I'm going to get surpassed by somebody else, if, if I ever compare it like that, it's because I didn't. I was too stagnant in, in what I was doing. Yeah. I didn't change anything. Didn't add anything. Didn't adjust. Yeah. Um, so it's not. It's not worth it to kind of 
dwell on the, those things that, that are shortcomings, so to speak. Definitely. Nice. I thought we were alternating. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, uh, I'm, you have this uh, brokerage. You also mm-hmm. have a restaurant. Right. <laughs> Are those your only two right now? Or do you have... Uh, well, we've... Because uh, I know you you did consulting at one point in time. Uh, well, we still kind of do it on the okay. uh, more on the side. Uh, what we want to do is, at the end of the day, our my goal as a, as a person, I want to take people that are doing what they love and showing them how to scale. Yeah. And if it's not, if they don't know what they love to do, then I think it's actually rooted in something of your past and we can actually bring it to light. Yeah. We can figure out what that is and set you on a path that works in your, in your favor. Um, I think there's just so much opportunity, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if, if uh, somebody can just the same, we talked about this briefly, but somebody can just the same create like a Lego blog on, on building custom Legos. And then you could, I mean, if one path is to work for Lego, fantastic, right? Yeah. Or if it's one path is to review Lego sets, that's another path. You can make, you, there's there's so much opportunity. You can make money doing that. Yeah, definitely. On, on the channels of Instagram, on YouTube, whatever sure. it may be. But you then can be in the middle of, a person that does your own sets and maybe one day designs and builds your own company around that idea. Yeah. There is so many ways you could go. Um, and I think that's, that's what we love to um, empower people to do. Yeah. Um, sure. If they love something, double down on it because there's an opportunity for you to make a profit yeah, out of that. Sure. Uh, if you're good at something, never do it for free. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand that point as well. Like everybody's trying, you know, to to be a number one. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> trying to like kind of chase the dollar mm-hmm. and they think that their passion is not necessarily something that can make money. Right. And it's just not true. It's not true at all. Like I've seen guys literally make money at so many different things right. i used to like spoken word poetry when i was younger and i was like oh i'm not gonna make any money at that so we kept just on, a hobby. we were kept on being told that we wouldn't make money at right that. Yeah. meanwhile and, you have a, a person playing video games you know <laughs> roughly eight hours a day right right making, making like two million a year <laughs> close to five million a year yeah. you know and it's just like how is that person well that's because there's opportunity yeah for uh, sure and it's just a matter of time sometimes you're ahead of the curve right yeah. sometimes um, you're just that far ahead of everybody else. But at the end of the day, what makes people want to play and watch esports is because we did that as kids. Yeah. Sure. We went over to somebody's house, we gathered around a circle while they were playing Mario Kart, and we were like, You're terrible at this game. Let me take over, right? <laughs> um, and we would compete. And that's yeah, that's sure. what kind of defined it. Um, yeah. So I think if there isn't, if there isn't a door for it now, there certainly will be in time. Um, and I, I just think that all the doors are open, though. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Some people think it's wrong, too, though. Wrong to monetize on their passions. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious as, as to why that's the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, because nobody yells at me when if I'm really, really good at, at making a specific dish and selling it. Yeah. Nobody's mad at, about that. Right, yeah. but if uh, if for whatever reason I'm a really good artist uh, and I charge for making a print, people are like, "Whoa, wait a minute! 
what's yeah. up with that? It's yeah. like, well, how is that? That's, that's not the same. Yeah. yeah, and it's weird. But it's like, it, it kind of, for me, it goes back to the abundant mindset. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I literally, I got to tell everybody, I got robbed the other day. Not really, like, not literally robbed, but <laughs> like, it, was this, it was this kid. It was this kid. And she was selling like chocolates out of, I forget where we were, but we were somewhere downtown and she was selling, you know, boxes of chocolates or whatever. And she was selling them. You know, it was like the world's finest chocolates. Yeah. The ones and that are usually a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. I, I walked up to her. I was like, how much? And then she was like, four bucks. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. <laughs> hey, inflation's really high this year, huh? I inflation. Said, um, I thought, I thought <laughs> yeah and i was like man i just want to support her though right so i i ended up spending four bucks for like a piece of candy basically you know but- I, I that happens a lot to like whenever i see somebody in like at a state fair selling water or something yeah. like that and they're charging two dollars and i'm like i don't know how much you bought that water for right but i love the mentality Right, I love yeah. the at least they're doing that instead of something else. Yeah. Right, that may may have been illegal or whatever, like yeah. or something that makes them unhappy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would rather them doing that than than being miserable Monday through Friday, like a lot of lot of the rest of the world. Yeah, um, for sure. I would rather see that. Yeah, yeah. and I know like the way I kind of think about it a lot of times is that if. I don't necessarily care what somebody charges. I more so care about the value that whatever they charge actually, you know, provides for me. Right. So like, kind of like you said with the artists, you know, people get upset with them because they charge. I think people really got to look inside themselves and think, all right, am I thinking out of scarcity or am I thinking out of abundance, which Mm -hmm. is like, if you really want this item and you really like this person, just buy it because all prices are essentially are made up yeah nobody yeah, really the market the market right. always decides right right definitely. Um, you know a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs will come to me and say well, how should i price my item mm-hmm. um and i i will argue if you can do it price it for free um until the market decides wait a minute that's not that's not doesn't actually work um my girlfriend's little sister uh, bakes banana bread mm-hmm. um and it's fantastic it tastes fantastic um but we broke down the numbers on how much she should price something but i said at the end of the day if we want to get it out to as many people as possible you cheap you price it as low as possible because how many downloads is a free app going to get besides a versus an app that's going to get that's charged at ten dollars oh a free app is going to get tons. (laughs) now look at that versus a one dollar app versus a ten dollar app how many times is that one dollar app going to get downloaded? Way more, right? Yeah. So it's the opportunity to go viral, right? More at bats, more, more in the hands of more people. Yeah. Um, if if Instagram charged five dollars for the app, nobody would use it. Nope, that is true. That's just the way that works. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if it was, if it's like it is free and doesn't have any ads, and they figured out their ad platform later on, mm-hmm. everybody uses it. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's one of those things that you get in like the social network, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do we monetize this? Do we? How do we advertise this? And, and Facebook said, just keep it free. Yeah, for sure. It's the illusion that it's worth a billion dollars. Eventually, it will be. Mm-hmm. You know, if it isn't there now. Oh yeah, definitely. So that. 
pretty much concludes all the main questions. Mm -hmm. yeah. So our final question sure. is how do people get in contact with you? Because oh, I'm yeah. sure they, they've heard like just a tiny bit of what they sure. want to hear from you. Uh, I'm probably most active on Twitter. Um, just anybody that asks me, uh, th but I, my, my social media name is uh, Mr. Underscore Carl Underscore Lee on everything. So MR underscore C-A-R-L underscore L-E on everything. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And, and do you mind telling the audience also where your, uh, uh, your restaurant is? So you Sure. Know, because they have like, <laughs> I've never tasted the, like I've never had that type of food before I met him. And most of the stuff, I still don't know what it's called. It was like but an I, Asian pancake. But, but I know it was really delicious. <laughs> so you probably aren't going to know what you want. Sure. But something, something on um, there is going to jump out to you and you're going to love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so the restaurant's in Schaumburg. It's called Tholfa. Uh, T-O-P-H-O. Um, and we serve basically half of my family is Vietnamese and the other half is Taiwanese. So that's what makes our menu. Um, and then obviously as a real estate brokerage, I'm here in Chicago. We do most of our multifamily investing up here. Um, we help clients find buildings. Uh, we look at value add stuff, full gut rehabs, uh, and really just the analysis on whether or not a building cash flows. Uh, and that's at NXT Realty. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. Great. So you guys have gotten a wealth of knowledge today <laughs> and... Yeah, go connect with Carl on like all the social media platforms sure. because he can go on and on. We have like three hour conversations <laughs> sometimes just about yeah. so much more. And he will definitely be on another podcast because we want you to talk about um, the how to differentiate yourself sure. in in the industry because Absolutely. he can he can talk about that. <laughs> so, I love the bleeding edge. Yes. That's where I like to live. <laughs> Thank you very course, much for being course. on. Thanks. So that's all we have for today, folks. I hope you got as much value out of this as we did. Keep in mind, the only way we can improve is through constructive feedback. So remember to rate and review this episode. Also, you are not the only person that needs to know this super valuable information. So be sure to subscribe and share as well. Stay tuned for the next episode. And remember to always spread abundance. Peace.